The witch's cackle burns the eye that sees the danger you are in. Sometimes we're wrong, but we want to prove that we are right, so we begin. Watch out, there's a sword and it's coming for your neck. In this battle for salvation, in this battle for salvation. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 13 of the Battle for Salvation Warhammer Underworlds podcast. I am Max Bernstein. I am Randall Slate. And today on the program, we'll be talking about Thundrix Profiteers, the new expansion uh, to finish out season two. Um, but first, we're going to talk about a couple tournaments coming up. Uh, we definitely have the Rift in Peak Skill that will be on Saturday, June 1st. I will be going to that. Randall, you're yep. going to that one? Yep. Peak Skill, New York. Should be good. Um, and let's see. We also have the Bolter Hole. In Bellingham, Massachusetts, that's uh, the next day, Sunday, June 2nd. That's a little far afield for, for me, but um, I'm sure we'll have some, uh, some buddies going to that one. Um, we then have the next Saturday, June 8th at the Portal in Manchester, Connecticut. Uh, that will be run by the illustrious Chris Spark. And uh, then the next day will be our Carcosa Club down in Brooklyn. That's a Sunday, June 9th. And um, that one I will probably be at as well. So I uh, hope to see you all there. Another uh, tournament that we want to discuss is one that will be happening way later in in the year, there is a new uh, open that's going to be done, the SoCal Open. And here we have an interview with one of the tor tournament organizers, David Cutts. David, thanks for joining us. Pleasure to be here. Thanks. Oh, yeah. You are the uh, the so the SoCal Open tournament organizer. Um, and we're getting together uh, a big tournament at uh, at SoCal. What's, what's the venue? So, yeah, the, I'm the Underworlds grand clash tournament organizer so um yeah it's the venue it's the del mar fairgrounds in del mar california which is a stone's throw from san diego and a stone's throw from the beach um it's a it's it is the fairground so it's kind of a huge complex and it's easy to confusing to the first time you get there to find the venue but once you're there it's a it's a it's an awesome venue no table touches it's each other you got walk around um access to all sides of the table they got a beer gardens and food and easy parking it's 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 a great little sounds great it, is it outdoors no it's inside but it's um it is a it's a fairground San Diego and it's a fairground so it's not the, the three years that i've two three years i've been to both of them so i played 30 carry at the first one and then shade spire at the the last one and uh it's been great weather like no need for air conditioning like kind of mid 70s inside and outside you know it's 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 one of the best places to play 40k and uh Underworlds that I can think of, other than Gorgeous. Vegas, maybe. Gorgeous. Are, are are those the only two events going on at this open, or is there more stuff going on? No, there. Um, there's a, there's a 40k champions, 40k friendly, 40k narrative. I think there's a 30k event. I'm not sure if there's War Machine or Hordes. Um, there's a couple of kill team things going on, and us and a ton of other stuff. They're turning the SoCal Open into a, a convention, more more along the lines of uh, LVO than than a standard just 40k tournament. Well, that's great. I think the more the merrier. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So what's the format of this tournament? 
So we are going to be playing. Uh, so my I, when one of the reasons that I wanted to kind of take the reins of the the, the SoCal Open Underworlds tournament is that um, it was um, the the frustration of LVO of having only four rounds, cutting to the top two. Same thing happened at Adepticon. You know, mm. there was five or six undefeated players at both uh, tournaments. So I wanted to make sure that we had enough rounds that we got a, a clear winner. So we have time to do up to seven rounds if we need to. So four rounds on Saturday, three rounds on Sunday. We will make a on-the-fly call if if we need that many rounds. You know, if there's only if there's 32 or less, we're only going to do five rounds. We'll just do a cut to the top two um, Sunday morning. Uh, but if if there's 64, we'll play six rounds. If there's 128 or God forbid that I don't, we'll have that many, although I can hope, uh, then we'll oh, do all seven fine. rounds. So, but we've got a scheduled out that we can get a, uh, an undefeated winner of the, the underworlds and it is a grand clash. Did I mention that? Did we mention that? You did that? not. Yes. I was waiting for it. Go ahead. <laughs> so we, we got confirmation from, yeah, from GW that we're going to get full grand clash prize support. So the big grand clash trophy, best painted trophy, tokens cards gubbins um and i think this year it's it's still um objective uh, not objective glory tokens the, glory the tokens. green glory tokens from the grand clash so i've yeah, seen it's definitely worth it to to come out absolutely and of course it sounds like a really great venue it sounds like a lot of stuff going on there um so do you play around in the socal meta yeah i uh i uh I run a little club called gamers haven in inland california and then i try to get out to at least one or two events a month um around the community um so arrow hobbies in santa Monica has a tournament do you want me to go through them all because there's a lot yeah you can go ahead and plug away <laughs> okay sure yeah, yeah. there's the arrow hobbies in santa monica um there's next gen games and comics in la that has tournaments they're kind of every other month um there's brookish hobbies in orange county that has one so once a month um the realm games and comics has one a quarter um there's a, a place in montclair called gameology that has one once a month and then we i, I host one once a month at uh, gamers haven so it's a cool. pretty uh pretty busy meadow sometimes you know we'll get sometimes they'll only be four or five other times they'll be 15 to 16 Kind of depending on the month and where it's at, and if it's a if it's a, a prize kit or just a come play Shadespire. Cool. What what have you been uh, putting on the table lately? Lately, I have been. Um, so I play with Tony Field. He's uh, I don't know if you've heard of him. Yeah, I've definitely he, heard of him. So yeah. he's he's in our our club and in, in our play group, and he I kind of uh, um, whatever he wants to play against, I put a deck together and play against. So so last night I played Molog. A couple weeks ago, I was playing uh, the Briar Queens. I tried a really bad Godsworn Hunt deck this weekend uh, at our tournament. That's kind of unavoidable in some games. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I might pivot on that. They're really, Tony's telling me that they're really good, and, I'm, and I, I believe him because he's yeah, kind of a savant. But really uh, I tried an all-magic sure. deck, and it sucked. It was horrible. <laughs> They're, uh, they're, they're, they're tough. Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, we can get into, uh, you got the claim the city guys in your, uh, in your meta. Yeah. Uh, so, um, cause they, tell, cause tell them we say what's up and, and, and thanks for all the great episodes. Yeah, for sure. Like, uh, I talked to Jeff, we had a little con called kingdom con, um, two and a half, three weeks ago oh, and yeah. Jeff, Jeff played in it and in young played in it. So, uh, and I, I TO'd the, the clash there. It was, it wasn't a grand clash. It was, uh, just a, a store kit kind of clash for the turn for the convent convention sure 
Sounds good. All right. So we got a lot of stuff going on over there. And of yeah. course, um, there, there's like lodging around there for people coming out of town. Yeah. So there's no event hotel, um, but there's tons of places right around there. Um, you know, Expedia is probably the, the easiest thing or the, the most affordable way to find an event. But uh, um, and I think we're, I and my, our team is staying at the Holiday Inn Express and we're going to kind of or try to organize a little social thing in or around there. Um, probably Friday eve, you know, sun, Saturday evening um, for the Underworlds players. All right. Sounds good. Uh, Randall, do you have a question? So let's just recap it here. This is a full-on Grand Clash. Correct. Full-on. Yeah. Full-on. And then it, that is part of the SoCal Open 40K tournament, which also has other uh, SoCal associated Open games. Convention. Yeah. SoCal yes. Open Convention. It's a convention now. Yes, and it's and then, October 26th and 27th in Del Mar, California. Awesome. So, <laughs> um, and it's also going to be two days with more, usually more rounds than in order yes. to determine. It, it's going to have enough rounds to determine a undefeated winner of the tournament. Correct. And which we're not is what we've all been asking for. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so and you're going to be using the BCP app? I will, yeah, and, and okay. submitting it for uh, ITC points, and because I think I've, I'm a big proponent of the ITC. I think I really watched what it did for 40k in the early days of the ITC and the dark days of sixth edition. So I think that it can really, if shades, sorry, Underworlds players embrace the ITC, yeah, shades exactly. We should just like just call it like uh, <laughs> right, like Mister Van says, just like, call it, yeah, yeah. Exactly. just 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 call it. That's a better name. Like it's so cool. <laughs> Good. Um, I don't know where I was going. Anyway, uh, yeah, I think it, it'll be great for the Talking community. about ITC. You your, yeah, you see your points. You're going to get in the the hunt for the the championship. Your team, see your, how your team's doing. It's it it really drives uh, people to go to events. You know, like it, it, when I was playing 40k in sixth edition at um, a, a store here in Pasadena, we would see maybe eight to twelve players, and then ITC came started, and then three months later there was twenty plus players at our local tournaments. It was phenomenal what it did for the community and i think the the itc could uh do similar things for participation right so let's all the games uh, they support. Let, let's talk about that for a second so the the uh in in warhammer 40k you mm-hmm. have this uh, what, what do you even call it like an independent body or an in, independent tournament circuit that's what the itc stands for. right so it's a it's an independent tournament circuit that uses a special set of uh missions they don't really change the rules too much for a 40k no and you don't they, have to yeah. use their missions like the number one rule is the in the itc is do kind of do what you want the, the only the the rule for 40k is that it has to be swiss pairings other than that right. you can run any missions and however you want right so you know so it's just a way for you to submit points when you go to a tournament like if you go to an itc run tournament for 40k mm-hmm then that means that the tournament organizer will, after the tournament is over, submit the, the tournament results, and then you will be able to track your, your progress on the ITC website. Yeah, exactly. So it's, a, so, yeah, it's through Frontline Gaming and also Best Coast Pairings. Right. So, yeah, it's very important that we encourage, uh, you know, Shadespire players to use that system because it can be very beneficial like it has been for 40k yeah causes, uh, and then bcp is like the only way to run a tournament you don't you don't like you can play at a tournament and run it th- when you're using the app because you don't have to do any math or manual entry and the players enter their scores themselves it's i've done it 
it's idiot proof. Like, and if I can run it, it's idiot proof. <laughs> yeah, Max did it. Hey, <laughs> piece of pie. That's true, though. It was piece of pie. I didn't have to like think very hard to get you, it to work. Exactly. The, yeah. the and the Android one's a little bit funky, but the iOS one is, is super oh, it's easy. Great. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah, cool. uh, the the I, the only problem I have with the Android one is when you're submitting your own score. It okay. doesn't it doesn't let you like set up your password initially, so you have to do it again or something. Huh. Like if okay. you're if you're on Android and you sign up for the tournament, it doesn't ask you what you want your uh pin to be. So uh, when you okay. go to submit your score, it's like what's your pin and you're like, I don't know. Uh so you're not so so the tournament organizer should have you register on their device. Yeah. yeah. And that's when you put the pin in. Yep. Okay. All right. So that's an important part if you're using Android. Um, you gotcha. But yeah, how cool would that be if you could, you know, go to tournaments for Statespire and then if you win, you get tracked on your points and you can see how well you're doing. And then they also have awards for like each faction too. So right. that's a, that's a big thing faction. in 40K is like a lot of people will say, well, you know, I, I, you know, if you play like Eldar or like Imperial Knights or something like that and you're just a, you know, maybe you're a pretty good player. You're not going to become like the best Imperial Knights player in like the whole country. Usually, that's only for people who go to like a, a ton of tournaments every year. But you might become, you know, if you play with a more lesser known army or a lesser played army, you could potentially become the top player in the country for that faction. For so, sure, and they yeah. they're even splitting it regionally now, so you could be the best Western United States oh, yeah. player or Southern or you know whatever. So yeah, if you like to play a uh, a lower tier faction, you can at least say, "Oh, I'm the best at this faction in the whole country or in the region," right? Which I think is pretty cool. I, I really love the uh, ITC tournaments for when I play 40k. Yeah, it's great. It's great, and it's and uh, same thing for for Shadespire. You can see how you're doing in your your Malagar Magors and right and, and and overall. So it's pretty cool. Cool. So if I wanted to go to this tournament. Mm-hmm. in socal open how do i sign up so you go to frontline gaming gaming.org and you uh search for the socal open uh tab which it should be on the, on the top of their page and uh, you just scroll down to um the event you want to join and you can buy a ticket there awesome and we'd love to see you guys at the uh, shadespire tournament the shadespire grand clash uh, wait wait me sure uh, was, when is it? October? <laughs> October, yeah. Uh, oh, is, it, is it Columbus Day weekend? No. It's uh, the weekend after. It's the weekend before uh, Halloween. Oh, that's going to be tough. But <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's, yeah, it's, we have it's a big, tough for me. Uh, the only time I can go to Grand Clashes, that's like the one thing that sucks about me because I'm, I'm a high school teacher. So it's like uh, I okay, can't yeah, take time me. off. Yeah. yeah. So it's like the only one I can go to is like Nova because it's like right before the school year starts. Sure, sure. But um, but everybody else should totally go to this, um, and I'm proud to have more of these exist, and just to make the game more um, visible, and uh, I like that. So I appreciate that, uh, David Cuts. Uh, just 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 run down real quick, just to make sure everybody heard. We it's October twenty. 20- 26th and 27th in Del Mar, California uh, at the Del Mar Fairgrounds. You can buy your tickets through frontlinegaming.org or dot, yeah, dot org. Um, it is a frontline, SoCal Open is a frontline gaming um, convention, game convention for Great. Games awesome. Workshop. And, and everybody will see you there because you'll be running the tournament. Is the bird going? Who is the bird? The, the bird in the background. Oh, I'll bring him, yes. Okay, good. 
just them. It might be. All right, no. cool. <laughs> All right, Dave, thanks for being on the program. Gentlemen, it was a pleasure, and I uh, appreciate and it. We hope to talk to you soon and maybe see you at a tournament around. Sure, and, and we appreciate you uh, being the change that the community needs. <laughs> well, I try. Yeah, thanks, man. Awesome, awesome. thanks. All right, so today we're going to talk about Thundrix Profiteers, the new hotness that's been sweeping the land, that's been doing well at Grand Clashes uh, right out the box. And uh, between the two of us, uh, I, I was doing Guardians, so which we'll do in our next episode. Randall, you were the one that uh, that got the Profiteers, so tell tell us about it. How do, how do they feel? Well, yeah, that was interesting. You decided to gravitate towards the Yotharis Guardians for whatever reason. I don't know. I don't know. Was it was it the models that I struck think, you, or I think I just kind of felt like they were more my style of play because I thought that they were going to be more just so, aggro looking okay. it was the to play me, style. but they're actually yeah i think it was play style because i like aggro stuff but um they're more flexy which we'll talk about next week but and and the dwarves tend to be a little bit more aggro so so tell us about them right and i have a i have never really liked dwarfs my entire life in any sort of fantasy uh oh you setting. didn't you didn't mention that yeah before. well you know <laughs> They're just not my favorite. I'm not going to say I actively hate them or whatever, but these guys actually really interested me because they are very similar to my old favorite, the Far Strider, mm. Far Striders. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> I had a really fun time playing these guys. They did remind me of the, the Far Striders a lot in their play style. Um, and yeah, it was. Th th this is just a very fun to play and just a really uh, emotionally exciting warband to play. And I would recommend it to almost anybody who plays this game. Emotionally be great. exciting. What? Emotionally exciting? It's emotionally exciting. You get to roll a lot of dice. Oh, yeah. Okay. That, hard. That's understandable. You, get to, that's you get to inspire when you score objectives. So, like, it feels good to, like, put down that objective. Like, I scored this. Now I get to flip my guy over. You know, it's it, there's a lot to do. It's very rewarding to play these okay. guys. I see. And I would recommend them to almost anybody who plays this game. I probably wouldn't recommend it as a very first faction that you would ever play. There, there's a lot of a stuff to remember, and there's a lot of triggers, and yeah, and a, a lot of. Um, I, I noticed that you have to really spend a lot of time making sure that you're standing in the right places. Yeah, positioning is super important. Uh, action economy, very important. The the stats on the cards change. Quite a Very bit. We'll quite, talk about quite in a heavily minute. when when they are inspired, and then just every guy is just completely unique, you know. Yeah. Uh, every every model has a very specific job, and there's kind of very little overlap in what each one can do. So, I had a great time, and the, I I do think that they are very strong, and they've had a very strong showing in some recent tournaments. So they are definitely, if you're a competitive Shadespire player, you need to know the ins and outs of how they play and how they can possibly beat you so that you can counter it. So right. some of the advantages to them are um, they have a lot of range for a dwarf faction. Surprising. They a, yeah, they have a surprisingly wide threat range. For a faction with 
you know, that starts with two movement. A lot of them have range three attacks, and then they have one guy who moves four right out the gate and can go over lethal hexes, blocked hexes. So they are not as slow as you might think. They're not, it's very different playing them uh, and playing the, the old dwarves, the uh, fire slayers. And some things you need to keep in mind when you're playing these guys are because they're, they're insp of their inspiration mechanic, first of all, you have to protect your leader, Thundrick, even though he's pretty strong, but he can die to a combination of, of cards played by your opponent. And their inspiration mechanic is you have to score an objective and then you get to inspire anyone you want. And so you have to kind of find this, this balance between having score immediately objectives and end phase objectives. A lot of times the end phase objectives are easier to get and they will reward you with more glory. But you really need to be inspiring your guys during the activation phase because they become a lot more powerful when they're inspired. And the, the, the issue you end up running into is you have these score immediately, which are generally kind of hard to, to score. They, a lot of times they will revolve around rolling dice and doing very specific actions. And they only typically only give you like one glory. So even if you're, you know, kicking ass and you're killing all your opponent's models and you're moving around doing your thing, you know, if you're playing against a faction like Goblins or, or Thorns of the Briar Queen, you might just lose even though you've been doing well the whole game because they might just end with more glory than you. Yeah, they don't they don't pick up glory at the same pace as other things. Like even Molog with you know putting Tome of Offerings on him, he he'll pick up glory at really quick paces, and they have really high ceilings. Uh, with the Profiteers, um, I, I've I noticed especially in our games that th there were some games where you were really cooking and you were landing shots, and then I would and then I would be playing. I played Goblins, I played Guardians, I played um, uh, Curse Breakers against you. And uh, and there was a couple of games where you were cooking and I still beat you just because as you were picking up, you were picking up, you know, one glory at a time. So um, so there there has to be, I think, if you're playing um, against the Profiteers, if you can prevent them from slowing you down, you might be able to keep pace with them and, and win. Yeah, the even end. if you're dying or right. giving them because they have giving them an advantage. Yeah, the, the, the appropriate way to play the Profiteers, is, I think, is with very easy to score immediate it's like you were saying get everybody inspired but um but that kind of gives them a little bit of a low glory ceiling right at the end of the game you can expect to have you know maybe 16 you know between 12 and 17 glory i'd say in a good game yeah yeah um another disadvantage that that um we both were talking about is how uh they they really do have low damage there's only one uh, fighter that has one attack that's above two, and a lot of them start with one, right. especially on the pistols. Yeah, and the, the, the issue with them is since, since a lot of them are have ranged attacks, you cannot take advantage of uh, a lot of the staple great damage strength. increasing yeah. upgrades, like great strength, and because that only works on attacks with range one or two. And a lot of these guys have their their better attacks are at range three. Yeah, but you fact, have to pick very specific upgrades to get any sort of extra damage. There's only three attacks on any of these guys that are range one or two. Right. So it, they're, and they're typically not, not great either. 
Yeah, they're not. Yeah, there's except only, for, only Drax Spewer has. Except for Drax Spewer. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's he's really good. Oh well, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's Drax Skewer, not Spewer. Yeah, I'm getting that. Yeah, I mean, I, I I guess you could throw great strength on him, and then he'd be hitting for fort damage, which would be nice. But uh, you know. Yeah, but he's him and Aylinson, who's basically the Dangle Bro Supreme, yep. are the only ones that have any sort of real melee attack. So you know, it's kind of you're you're kind of risking it if you put great strength in your. Deck. Oh yeah, Th Thundrix is not good. His his right. his, his, melee, his attack. melee attack doesn't change when he gets inspired. It doesn't. It hits decently it hard, but it hits for uh, one. Sorry, it hits it? decently accurately. I should say. Yeah. It, you know, two two on hammers is decently accurate, but uh, yeah, it's only one even when he's inspired. Right. Yeah. So, not amazing. Yeah. So you have to use very specific upgrades that come from a a, a wide berth of expansions, which we'll talk about. Yeah. In, in a minute. Uh, but first, let's talk about those inspiration bonuses. Because, yeah, um, the inspiration is a very key component of this warband. A lot of the other warbands, like I, I compare it to like Zinch or something like that. Zinch, their their two Dangle Bros don't get any better when they're inspired. The the Blue Har can't get inspired, and uh, you know the the Zangor he only gets to reroll his dice. Nothing else changes about him. Vortimus gets right. a little bit better. Vortimus is better, but, but yeah, it's you know when you compare it to these guys, they're all they're all getting a huge boost better. to their stats. They're getting yeah. dice. They're getting uh, more wounds. They're getting more movement, and you know just across the board stat increase. So inspiring. Well, let's, them yeah, is let's talk about important. that. Yeah. We'll, we'll start with Thundric. So uh, Thundric starts with. Uh, Two attacks, both landing on two hammers, one each, one's range, one's melee. Two move, two move, one, uh, one shield, and four wounds. He gains a damage on the range attack mm -hmm. and cleave. One movement and cleave, one wound, one defense die, uh, and and that all important cleave. And and he was when I remember when I was playing against him, and I would just. Uh, I, I I would target him because man, if he if he's on the board, it is trouble. Um, you get him off the board though, and it's a, it's a little bit easier to play your, uh, against this warband. Yeah, um, so let's just recap lot. that. When he's inspired, he gets plus one damage on his main attack and cleave. He gets on plus one movement, plus on one defense dice attack. on shields, yeah. and plus one wound. It's real good. Yeah. Um, and then talk about talk about what uh, the so the promotion no, the promotion we already talked about. Yeah. Right, that's how you inspire. Is you score an objective. Mm -hmm. uh, talk about his reaction, though. Right, his reaction. This is something new we've seen in the and game. Nobody, nobody else really has anything. Side note: to... This counts for keep them guessing. This reaction. So when you move, right? Yeah. When you move Thundric, or if you charge with Thundric, or anytime you um, you activate him, this goes off. So whatever the action you did, plus this act reaction, that's two of the things for uh keep them guessing already. right because apparently a reaction counts as an action and this is automatic this yeah. one so what it does is it after after uh thundric does his activation he be he treats all hexes adjacent to him as lethal hexes for your opponent not for you right so if you have a guy right next to thundric and you activate this he's not gonna be in a lethal hex it's only for your opponent. And we had to look up the, the rules on lethal hexes. You don't um, actually take damage if, you know, a lethal hex is created right under you. You have to be pushed in or you have to move through it. 
So just like, you know, charging in like adjacent to like a couple guys with this with with Thundric and then activating your reaction, it won't actually damage all those people that you went adjacent to just then. You have to push them into it somehow. Right. So but, and that's important. But it it also prevents certain warbands from charging him. Right. Uh, right afterwards. So it it kind of works like um what is it? Uh, shattering terrain almost. So like you have to you have to kind of know that if you're playing and especially if you're playing against this group you have to know not if if thunder just went maybe don't charge them unless you unless you have like a range two attack or a range three attack right and it's very important when you're playing this faction to declare that you are using that reaction because your opponent could you know forget try to screw that on well they could be like oh well you didn't say you were doing your i don't know, reaction, I don't know. so i can walk up on you. yeah so you have to declare that he's doing that it's, it's a lot to remember yeah. with this faction so do you have um, to declare it? it I think so. I mean, you might as well just to prevent anyone from calling you out on it. Yeah, maybe. Just yeah. like, oh, you didn't remind me? I don't know. It says use this after the friendly. F- I think use you have this to after say it out loud that you're using activation. It. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I wonder. I wonder if that would be FAQ'd thing, where they say if it's like if it's automatic or not. Um, to me, it looks like they say use it. It sounds like they don't say like this happens. It's not a. Right. It doesn't appear to be a must. I wonder if something will come up in there. And there's no idea. real detriment to doing it. No, I guess not. Not, the, not for the you. One, the one detriment would be if your opponent has martyred in their hand, and then yeah, they want to run, run through, through the lethal hex to die. Yep. Like so, I would say or calculated risk. Right. So what I would do is say to your opponent, you know, just my intention is whenever I activate. Thundric, I'm going to be using that reaction. And that might be enough, but some opponents, you know, in a, in a high-stakes tournament in the final rounds might try to call you on that as, like, an angle shoot type thing. So, right. make sure you remember that. Anyway. Keep an eye on that. Let's on go to, to Deadeye. Uh, Deadeye Lun. This guy is, is great. Deadeye, who already has a, uh, a two-hammer cleave gun right. that shoots for one, um, with the same basic stat line as uh, Thundric, except one less wound. When he becomes inspired, he gains one damage, one movement, and one wound, giving him a threat range of six. Yeah. With cleave. Yep. And Two hits damage. on hammers. Yeah, he's great. And then, but then he becomes a, a force. So you got to watch out for Glory Seeker. Mm-hmm. Um, Iron Hail, Enric Iron Hail, who has knockback, um, a three. Uh, three fury attack one damage has uh, starts with uh, two movement one dodge and two wounds picks up quite a bit um one dice on the attack so now you're throwing four dice so that's, yeah that, that's that's some crit fishing right yep. there um also picks up a wound a movement and the defense characteristic changes to shields. Yep. Um, which is, again, qu- it's quite a bit. Uh, the next one we have is the balloon man himself, uh, Drax Skewer. Uh, J- Drax Skewer does not pick up too much, um, just a wound. But he and... starts out really strong. Yeah, he already so starts he out get, strong. But he, he also picks up uh, damage on the melee. Yep. Um, and then, of course, Dangle Bros. Supreme, Allenson. Picks up quite a bit. Uh, starts with, um, you know, starts with uh, both a melee, which is uh, 
two hammers, one damage, and a pistol, which is two furies, one damage, a three range, with two movement, one dam, uh, one dodge, and two wounds, but picks up quite a bit. It will pick up a damage to the melee, a dice to the pistol, one movement, one wounds, and the dodge uh, changes to a shield. Yeah, so he actually becomes like a real... Yeah, he comes yeah, decent. He starts off as like a chain rasp with like a really crappy pistol. And he ends and then up he turns like into a, a real boy. Yeah. Yeah. Like Pinocchio. Yeah, just like Pinocchio. Mm-hmm. All right. So, so, so inspiring them is very, very important. It's a lot. Yeah. And that's the, that's the point we want to make because when you're constructing your objective stack, you, you really want to have a, 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 a wide berth of. Of score immediately objectives. Segway achieved. Yes. Let's talk about the um, the objectives. Uh, which which uh, faction specific objectives do you think are good with this deck? Because there's a lot of you know you know it's the same thing with every time we have a new expansion where a lot of the cards are kind of trash. But so we have to kind of root through it, take a look at them. Which one of these do you think are, are faction specific for the profiteers that we're cool with and we want to keep? Well, I really like Headshot. That's my okay. first one that uh, is is faction faction specific, and uh... that one says score this immediately. If a friendly fighter scores a critical hit with an attack action with a range of three or more, mm-hmm. and with a lot of cases uh, on in this warband, um, that is well. Actually, you know, now that I'm looking at it, there's really only two guys that throw a lot of dice, so. Mm-hmm. You'd, but you're going to be attacking with the ranged attacks anyway. You're going to be attacking with the ranged attacks, and they're going to pop up. Um, but I'm, I, I think that that's if you're going to have that in your deck. I think, I mean, you're you're going to want to have cards that give you more accuracy anyway. So I'm sure that's going to come up in a minute when we talk about yeah. universal the, stuff. The one who scores this the most for me, oftentimes, is Iron Hail because he has the three dice, and it which and switches goes to, to four. four. So yeah. that that he's definitely the main proponent of of this attack all right and then i and then other than that you know it's you might see or or thundrick that do the the range attacking right okay or even and... just inspired aelinson if you have him last guy on the board or something like that and he's inspired he has three damage he's got he three, three it's not bad yep your dangle bros have a lot of accuracy a lot of dice being thrown yep. okay so let's uh and then so what next else one like is uh called seeking advancement Mm. This one says score immediately if your warband takes an enemy fighter with a wounds characteristic of four or more out of action. And that happens a lot. Yeah, it, it, it's, it happens often enough that you'll probably get it. It's worth a, a spot in the deck, but it does. Uh, it is Kill a little it. sketchy against um, like Thorns of the Briar Queen, Goblins. Goblins, yeah. Yeah. So. But even still, they might throw stuff. They might throw... Yeah, they you definitely know. are going to put, you know, extra health on one right. of the guys or something like that. So great fortitude, you know, anything. So there's a lot of faction specific plus ones now to to wounds. Uh, there's Tome of Vitality. There's there's a lot of stuff out there. Right. All right. Any other ones that we like? From Not the, that I no. like from fa- the, the faction itself. Not but really, there are right. a lot of objectives that fit really nicely in uh, the universal ones. All right. Well, before that, uh, let's talk about the faction specific gambits uh-huh. what do we like here all right so the first one is called prepared position and this, this is says... uh, very similar to what a lot of other factions have it basically is just a ploy where you choose one of your fighters and you put them on guard 
Right. And why do we like this one? Well, we like this one because of a, you know, very widely used um, objective called change of tactics. Exactly. Which is a score immediately and is one of the easiest score immediately okay. to score, if not the easiest one other than, uh, what do you call it, the other one? Uh, one where you run through a lethal hex. Oh, calculated risk, which is a new one. Yeah. yeah. The only the only issue with that is it is it is restricted change of tactics. Well, calculated risk, just wait. Yeah. You'll probably strict that one too. I think calculated risk is actually better than change of tactics. Um yeah. because would you rather well, spend an activation to get a glory or would you rather spend a, a wound token to get a glory? Yep. To me, I'd rather have in, in a twelve yeah, activation game. I'd that, rather spend the wound. Yeah, the only issue with that is that it could put your guy into one shot range. Yeah, he could die. So, you have yeah, to not, I mean, not if you per, you know, not if you prepare your position. Right. Get it. Yep. Oh and it's God. just an extra, you know, it's extra activations for you. You don't have to spend an activation to right go anything on guard. that saves you. Every anything that saves you in action. Mm-hmm. It's all good. All right. Um, what else we got? And you know, speaking of granting extra actions, we have this next one called Seek the Sky Vessel. It's a great one. And this one says, choose up to two friendly fighters and make a move action with each of them. So this is giving you essentially two extra activations. And I think that this is really good, especially when you, when you think uh, about how uh, everything is a range attack. You can actually move two dwarves to different spots and cover quite a bit of the board uh, with uh, with your range attacks, where you can actually have a threat range that goes clear across the board with this. You put one guy on this side, you put one guy on that side, and you can really be able to shoot things almost anywhere on, like especially if it's a wide deployment, you can shoot stuff like basically anywhere. Um, I, I really like this card with this group. Right, and they also have pretty low damage of the fighters uh, for the most part. So you need to be spending your activations attacking. Right, not charging. Yeah, not charging, not moving into position and then attacking. You know, So this one is just great for setting up a lot of attacks, which you need because you're not really able to... You know, uh, Drax Skewer is really the only candidate for being able to one-shot people right so and with with his melee attack so you have to if you want to play if you want to get some good mileage out of uh dead eye lund iron hail or thundric the prepared position or the seek the sky vessel sorry is is great fantastic card all right that's and... definitely an auto include card oh yeah, yeah prepared position i think it prepared position you'd only take if you're taking change of tactics but seek the sky vessel you're going to put in your deck no matter what, I think. Yeah. All right. Um, so let's talk about this last one that you like called Toxic Gases, yep. which, by the way, I mean, everybody should just maybe making fart jokes every time somebody plays this. Mm-hmm. You know, just like if somebody throws this down to go, I'm going to play Toxic da- Gases, just like say, oh, that's silent but deadly. The best, the best time to do it is when you actually have to fart and then you play, <laughs> play oh, I'm going to play Toxic <laughs> Gases, and then you just let one here, rip. Here, pull my card. Right in the middle of the game story. Yeah. <laughs> pull my card. <laughs> <laughs> just uh, let one rip right in the middle of the tournament where everybody's can, sitting next you can to like you. like right before you're about to play and then people are like dude yeah. and you're like i play toxic gases and they'll be like what is that well played what's what i don't know you smell that what is that guys I'm the toxic player, gases the profiteers player he smells really bad 
Hey. Get him out of here. Get well, that might actually happen anyway. Yeah. Yeah, because you're a sweaty nerd if you play this faction anyway. Oh so. my god. Everybody's oh so many. Yeah. Anyway, so the toxic gases is a really interesting card, really interesting design card in that you're giving your opponent a choice between either you 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 get to choose a fighter. And then your opponent either has to choose if they want to take one wound or if they want to let you push their guy two spaces. It's like the Sophie's choice of Shade Spire. This is terrible because yeah. both of those it's things bad are bad. Either way, yeah, it's bad either way. And mo- I'd say most of the time, your opponent will just. I took the, take damage, the damage every time you played yeah. that on me. Right. I took the damage. I'm like, no, great. you're not. First of all, sometimes I'm standing near and and you know. A lethal hex, so you're just going to give me a damage anyway, and then on top of that, be able to put me in a position that I'm not going to like. So I would rather just take the damage. Right. Yeah. You could push them in melee range of Thundrick or something like that after he's done his action. Yeah, and so it's, it's and it's two hexes. It's not like distraction where it's one. It's two. Right. But yeah, you could push them off of the objective if they're standing on the objective. I mean, unless the guy, unless the, the 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 fighter that you want to move only has one wound left, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm I'm taking that damage basically anytime. Yep. Yeah, and, 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 and it's no with fun. Lethal hexes on their board now. Yeah. Because of um, the objective, so there's a good chance that you could either push them into the objective, push them into Thundric, push them into range of all your range guys that haven't activated yet, or you know, a, a, a variety of different things. Yeah. So, another thing you can do is if you're playing against like an objective based deck and, you know, you can plink down on something standing on an objective and then, you know, at the end of the round, be like, all right, toxic gases, do you want to die or do you want to not be on that? And they're like, I don't want either of those things. <laughs> do you want to die or do you want to <laughs> do you want to just not score supremacy? Right, and the other great thing about this card is that there's no range on it. It's not... No, you, know, you, you can do it literally You can do it on a guy that's literally on the other side of the board standing on an objective. So good. All right. Yeah. Ready to move on to upgrades? Yeah. All right, so he, there are uh, there are a few here that are actually decent. Yep. Um, we have Ancestral Fortitude, which is just plus one wounds and always good. Yeah, and I think you don't necessarily need... To, and, and, you know, because they're restricted, the, the sudden growth and the unholy fortitude or whatever it's called deathly fortitude deathly fortitude i don't yeah. think you really need or want those in this warband because they're already, they're already really slow, slow. Yeah. yeah you're gonna a lot of times make your guy into movement zero if you do this which is never good um although it's not too bad since you have you have range but you know with the fact that there are, there's great fortitude ancestral fortitude and then tome of vitality i think that's enough and especially since their wounds all go up when they're expired, so yeah, they can become pretty strong with just the the non restricted plus one wound. Upgrade. Yeah, that's a good point. Is that anytime you inspire something, it's like putting ancestral fortitude on them; they all gain a wound. So this is just this is just extra gravy on that. Yeah, which is pretty good. All right, uh, the next one is called empowered aether shot mm-hmm. or ether shot. Um, and that is uh, you put this on either Allenson or Iron Hail, and this gives the fighters range three attack uh, have cleave. Yeah. And you definitely want to be putting this on Iron Hail when he if he has cleave on his three or four dice attack it still only does one damage, but it helps you, you know, plink those damages in, uh, knock people back, 
It's got knockback. Yeah, arm, then it scores what armor for you. That's right. Well, Cle well, you can actually score what armor, and if you have get the hence, you can probably score them both. Yep. All right. And even with and yeah, Aelinson, you kind of don't really want to put this on him, but you know, if you have to, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah, and yep. I mean, especially if he's especially if he's uh if if he's inspired, you're rolling three dice on Furies. I mean yeah, that's 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 one of those bound to land. I don't know unless you're unless it's me and you're playing Riptooth, in which case you want. Um, all right, so let's see what else we got. We have Paymaster, um, and that is something that you put on Thundric himself, and that allows you to reroll one dice in each attack roll made for friendly fighters adjacent to this fighter. So you just like kind of cluster all your guys together, and everybody gets a reroll. Yeah, I like rerolling dice with this warband. Because of all the objectives we're running. Mm. So it does help. I wish it gave Thundric himself a reroll, but it doesn't. And That'd I had nice. this in originally, and I'm I'm thinking of taking it out, to be honest. It, it is good, but I just... You it, know, it forces you to, to keep all your guys together. Right, which couldn't be Which bad may sometimes, sometimes not yeah. a good idea. Yeah. All right. But it is and good. Getting the rerolls on two different guys, or even three different guys, is, is pretty good. Yep. Especially on um, Iron Hail. You know, if you're really fishing for that crit with a headshot. Right. And he's inspired, you roll four dice. Get another you chance know, at yeah, it. Yeah. I gotcha. Um, speaking of rolling a lot, here's rapid reload. You put this on Iron Hail, mm -hmm. and it says a uh, reaction. After this fighter's first Aethermatic Volley Gun attack, that's his one range attack. This is only attack. Um, action in a round, so you can do it again in the next round. They can make that attack action again, so you get to double tap. Right, and the the problem Once with this round. card is that it's only for one character who is kind of weak. He can he can be killed pretty easily, but he he is just so important to your overall strategy that I think giving this card to him is worth it, worth a spot in the deck. And it's just so powerful. You know, we all know how powerful things like ready for action and my turn and you know aggressive defense are, where you can get an extra attack. Yeah. So it's you it, get this I on him early. You can you can do it three times. Yeah. Well, it, yeah, and it's also important to note that it you only get the second shot on your first attack of the round. So like if you were to put this on him and attack and then play like ready for action later, it wouldn't give you the the double tap. Yeah, you get a single. You only get to use right. the you only do it once. once. Yeah. So if for you shoot with him, ready for action, him, you would have that would still only be three shots because you yeah. get one the right the original, then the reaction, then the ready for. Well, action. what you don't want to do is attack and then put this on him and then ready for action because then it won't work. Oh, because then he would miss it. Kind of yeah, like how you if did, you, you if, already did yeah. his first. Right, like if you draw up strong start, you can't play it. That's interesting. I didn't think about that. Yep. Yep, that's probably how it's going to be doing. Hey, um, we didn't write this one down, but Augmented Buoyancy? Put well, that two guy already moves pretty fast anyway, so I would rather I know, put... but I mean, if you put this on him, he'd have a threat range of, like, what, eight? Yeah, I mean, that's that's cute, but what I would rather do, if you want it, if you're really concerned about movement, I would rather just put Sprinter. Because then you could give that to anybody, or or you could give it to Drax Stewart, and then he True. would move five. So yeah, okay. Moving seven and five and eight is not like a huge difference. Plus, he also has a range three pistol attack if you're really desperate. Yeah. All right. Okay. I don't think I don't think that's worth a spot in the deck. I'd rather right. if you really wanted to put to, to increase people's speed, just use um 
printer because you could put it on anyone. All right. Sounds good. All right. So now, Randall, uh, you've been playing this deck for a little bit and we've seen what it can do. Uh, what are some objectives that you recommend uh, that are uh, the universals? And, and and why why would you pick it? Yep. So the first one is a no brainer. It's what armor? Right. Because you have two guys with cleave. Yeah. Two guys. That's, you know, one guy just starts on the board with cleave and then your leader who your is probably going to be the first guy that you inspire, depending on the situation, is going to gain cleave. And then if you're running that upgrade, that gives two, one of two of the other guys cleave. It's just a no-brainer. This card's awesome, and it's a score immediately. Sure. Um, I've seen people put what armor in their deck with, you know, one guy that has cleave when he gets inspired or something like that. So it's just a ubiquitous card. Yeah, I mean, I use it in Curse Breakers, and only Rastus has it. Right. Yep. So... All right, so we said precise use of force. Yeah, this is a good one because you have a, a different you know, spread of damage. You have guys that do one, guys that do two and three. And then you can put um, different upgrades on things to change that around. Yeah, or you can like become inspired. Right. The, the only like, negative, of course, is that it's a restricted card. Yeah, it is restricted. All right. But it is, I think, quite, quite good. In the, but it's a score immediately, too, so it's... Quite good in this warband if you wanted to use a restricted slot on that. All right. Uh, the and next that, one we have is finish, finish them, them or yeah. bigger. The bigger they are, they're the exact same card. Um, you know, you're going to be shooting a lot with one and one damage attacks, and a lot of times you're you know you're not going to be killing guys with one attack. A lot of the times you need to kind of like whittle some people down and then hit them with a one damage attack to to, to get finish in. Finish them. Yeah, to finish that. I didn't want to say that. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and then you. a lot of times it's good to just, you know, like shoot a guy with Deadeye Lund, take him down to one wound, and then move uh, Iron Hail in there. To, you know, with it rolling four dice, so it's hard for the opponent to defend against that. And then hit him for one damage and score finish them, or bigger they are. All right, sounds good. Score immediately. And then, Next um, one we have is Death, Death from, from Afar. Afar. This, is, this comes in this war, or maybe, well, it came out in this expansion release. I don't know. Yeah, uh, it might have been on the other one. Let me yeah. see. But this one is important. This one it says if you kill a guy from three hexes away, then it's score immediately for no, one. No, it's from this one. Okay. Yeah. So this is this is great because it's what you want to do anyway. But the important thing to remember about this is a lot of times when you read this at first, you think, oh, if I just shoot a guy with a range three attack and kill him, then I'll score this. But you actually have to be positioned three hexes away from the guy and kill him. Yes. So make sure that's why I'm saying that the positioning is very important for this warband because if you want to score this card, you have to be exactly three hexes away and kill them. All right. So you, you said martyred? On... Oh, ma what? You said martyred is the next one? Yeah, that could be a good one. Um depending on A couple on... of guys have two to start yep. so it's possible that somebody might just target something to kill quickly right and since you have five it since you have five fighters it's a lot of times kind of unavoidable to put a guy in initial charge range against a a uh aggressive warband you know, sure. depending on which board you're you're playing all right so it could, and, and it's a score immediately and it's easy to get so yeah i would i would recommend and this one you might i don't i wouldn't say it's an auto include but definitely good uh and then we said calculated risk which i yeah. think is an auto included in almost every deck yeah, right get, now get your uh 
get your reps in with this card while it lasts. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Whenever the banned and restricted list comes out, where a lot of people are expecting this and Tome of, Glor uh, Tome of Offerings to be put on it like immediately. What if you have like God Sworn and you have Grawl? And you have both of these cards, Martyr and, and Calculated Risk, and you yeah. just run Grawl through backwards and forwards through uh, through a lethal hex. You score them both. Yep. And then you put then you put uh, you, then you put two upgrades real quick, and you're in business. Yeah, you can't actually do that with dwarves because a lot of them <laughs> like they, you can't go yeah. out and then back. Yeah. yeah. Um, about calculated risk. Side note: Do you need to go through the hex, or do you need to just can you land in the hex and score? I mean, the card says through on it. Through. So I, to me, when I read that, I think that you have to actually, you have to land in it and then move out and of it. And then move out, yeah. But I don't know. We need a... We need uh, there, a there'll be, it'll be in the FAQ and the restricted list, I'm sure. All right. Yeah. We talked about seeking advancement. We talked about headshot. And we talked about change of tactics. So we can skip those. Mm -hmm. um, do we think Get the Hence has a place here? Well, because you have yeah. that one guy who has the knockback from deep range with a lot of... Um, what is it with a lot of dice? What yeah, do you it's think? It's definitely there? good, but it's risky because you once once Iron Hail dies, you cannot get this. Yeah. yeah, there's nobody else that has any knockback unless so, you're running mutating maul for some reason. Right. So I think that if you're running get the hence, you have to really protect uh Iron Hail, Iron Hail, right? That's the guy yeah. that has it. Yep. Yeah, and you have to really kinda, protect him. And kind of him he starts off with two health and one dodge. So Yeah. And then he switch was he switches to three with shields. Yeah, three with one shield. It's not a lot. Yeah, so you got to be careful. This, but it is it is very good because all you have to do is, you know, hit a guy and he has to not roll a crit on defense. Yep. With a three or four dice attack. So yes. It is very easy to get. Um. Do we like keep them guessing with this band? I I would say yes. Uh, kind of. You know, because we're. Uh, talking about how you know important it is to be positioned correctly, you don't want to be like boxed in with an objective. But the 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 good thing about it is that it gives you two in the end phase, it gives you two glory in the end phase, which you're definitely you you need something that gives you two in the end phase to balance out all these uh, one glory or immediately. And I think if you're running, um, you know the 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 package of change of tactics and Paired positions, then you probably want this one. All right. Um, how about uh, superior tactician? Yeah, I like this one. It's, it's restricted, and it kind of doesn't do anything, and you, it, it's it's really punishing when you draw it in like your opening hand, and you really don't want to be um, mulliganing your objectives with this warband. Oh, absolutely. So it not. is risky to yeah. run this card, but it well, will help them in their what we talked about before their disadvantage of having like a low total glory ceiling yeah this, this scoring and like it's easy to get since you're running so many um score immediately if you do draw this in like the third round it's it's amazing um but yeah it's it's risky all right if you and get it have... in your opening hand you pretty much have to carry it to like the the third end phase yeah, the only that end. does yeah. not feel good yeah because mulliganing your objectives you'll you'll run out of objectives no, yeah, I mean it, it. It's it's no fun to do even with other warbands, but with this warband in particular, having superior tactician gum up one of your uh, one of your three uh, slots in your hand for three rounds in a row, that's super risky. Yep, but you know it does offset the total yeah, the low. That's right. Now. You will you know if you can draw this in the third 
and uh round to and and you've been yeah, you'll score well. it. even you've the been, second one yeah yeah and um, you've been you know accomplishing your your goals throughout the game this will put you over you know maybe uh goblins or or um thorns of the briar queen that are like running keys and remsey and stuff like that yeah. All right. So a couple end of round ones uh, that we want to talk about. We have uh, combination strike. Is that the one where you uh, do? You have to, so combination strike. You have to score two objectives during the action phase, and then you get combination strike for two in the end phase. All right. So if you if you if you can score two of your score immediately during them and uh, during the action phase, which is decently possible. Yeah, and you're setting up the deck to do that. Yeah, you will get two in the end phase, which will shoot up your your glory count. I think this one is is it, it, it's it's a little difficult to get this one, but it's worth it. Yeah. All right, and then we have Master of War Escalation fired up because, of course. Yeah, those are just great. Um, you know, fi- fired up is nice because, but it is restricted. And then Shining Example is it's a good, pretty good because that one's not restricted. If you need, if you need to switch out fired up for something, shining examples usually what you would switch yeah. it out for. Shining example is a little riskier if the opponent is aggressively going after Thundric, but uh, it is really easy to get. Yeah. All right. And then we also have victory after victory. Mm-hmm. Now this is the one where if you just have to score three in the round, including right. the end phase. Yeah. So you could score two. Like let's say you had victory after victory and combination strike in your hand and then uh, some some other score immediately then you you get the score immediately you had in your hand originally you draw a new card you say that that's a score immediately card and you get that then you now can score combination two, strike now you've scored two in the action phase then the first card you put down in the end phase is i say i scored combination strike i got two score immediately then you put down victory after victory right and you say you i have now three. scored three objectives in this round and I get an additional two. So the, the 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 pair of combination strike and victory after victory are how you can offset having a, a low glory count from having so many score immediately objectives. All right. So that, that's a pretty good. Because you don't want to be running things like things. supremacy or you know a lot of the other or our only way out or whatever. I don't think you really I want don't know that. If with supremacy is a good idea here. That's what I'm saying. I don't think you yeah. want those. So you need something that is no, more big in the end yeah. phase. All right, cool. Uh, you want to move on to the ploys, yeah. the gambits, I should say, gambits. but they're really they're all ploys. Well, yeah, they're all ploys because you have no wizard. Yeah, right. Okay, so uh, ready for action? Duh. Mm-hmm. Uh, distraction, I think, is also kind of like yeah. Distraction is distraction should be an ubiquitous card. What? Yeah, I, I really think it's very powerful. That that card, I think, is more powerful than sidestep because um to to do that sometimes really upsets your opponent and denying them glory or making them think that they're safe and now all of a sudden they're not yeah. i think it's very powerful um we and also you don't have get... to like yolo in there and try to bop them off one of the objectives in the last activation or something or like you, that you yeah or you just, can just plunk that down and yeah get work towards your thing. own plan and then wait until right before the the end phase and then Bop them off the objective or or and, if you absolutely positively need them to not be on that objective you can run in bop them knock them off and then if they have sidestep and they put themselves back on it you can use distraction and pull them back off it yeah you can also there's a lot of people running the um 
the run through the lethal hex objective. The calculated risk. Yeah, calculated. I don't know why I keep forgetting the name mm. of that. Cal a lot of people are running calculated risk and putting. Oh, I did that to you. Right. That's what I'm saying. So yeah. a lot of people are running calculated risk right now since it's so good, and they're putting lethal hexes on their board. They're they are deploying lethal hexes even though they're not, you know, playing thorns of the briar queen. So a lot of times you can have a person say, "Okay, I'm going to run through this objective and score this," and then you just play, "Okay, I'll play distraction and push you back." Push you back into it, and now you're yeah. dead. Yeah. yeah, that's what I did. Or you can okay. push people into Thundrix gas cloud reaction and then distraction them into one of the other ones yeah because so. it's all around them yeah and it also if somebody's like very carefully like playing around your threat range you can move them into your you know if, if somebody's saying like very deliberately staying like six hexes away from you so you can't shoot them you can distraction them yeah. in. yeah it's beautiful yeah. So I think, yeah, this is becoming a ubiquitous card in almost everyone's deck just because of factions like Goblins and Thorns of the Briar Queen. But also in this deck, I think it's extremely good because of the... And, and I don't think it's worthy of being restricted. I think yeah, it's... Yeah, and it's in the it's in the uh, the starter box too, so... Yeah, I don't, I don't think they're going to do that. All right, um, so let, let's move on though. Um, you like Trap and Pit Trap or both or just one of them in particular? Uh, I like both. I say you definitely want to run at least one. And trap is the better one. Trap is the one where it's during, during. The attack. Yeah. So it just adds the so that adds the damage, and they can't interrupt it with right. anything. They can't interrupt it with like a rebound or something, right? I think that's how that works. Yeah, there's yeah, there's some advantage to doing the yeah. trap because it's during the thing. Yeah. Right. And pit trap is after the attack. Oh, and also if you kill something by adding the damage with trap because it's during the attack you're actually still killing them with the attack whereas oh. if you use pit trap all right well maybe yeah. you're not using the attack you're using check all related faqs before you try to game this card too hard but i think yeah, running right. both of the running both or even just one is extremely important and they are both restricted so that's kind of a, a ding to the them but yeah. because because of the fact that you can just sort of wait and see what happens with your attack. You can wait and see if your opponent, you know, maybe rolls a crit on defense or if if your attack just whiffs. You're not wasting the card until you get the hit off because it's a reaction to you hitting them. All right. So if you play a card like uh, I think they have like a faction specific like plus one damage or something with they have to play before you attack. Um, you could just whiff completely or they could roll like a crit to defend. So this one lets you like Rather than like setting up and burning the card and like hoping you hit, this one lets you wait until you do actually hit and then cash in the damage. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that's true. The, and and then also the fact that the fighters have pretty low damage and it's hard to upgrade their actual damage with their range attacks. This is the card that lets you. Yes, because scale. it doesn't have a range restriction. Yeah. Um. How about uh, you? Also have shattering terrain. I'd imagine for the same reason. Yeah, shattering terrain is kind of like pit trap except you have to play it before um you 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 do attack but you can also use it right in before your opponent's turn to yep. prevent them from wanting to charge right that's why i like it cuz it has that double function right you can you can either make them take a damage for trying to charge you or moving on to an objective or something like that or you can play it before your attack and try to get some extra damage in. Usually, I'll I'll wait until uh, Iron Hail can make an attack, and I'll um this. 
All right. And, and we, we already said seek the sky vessel. We already said toxic gases. Uh, you wrote down encroaching shadow. Yeah, encroaching shadow or lethal ward. Either one of those I think is pretty important. Yeah, lethal ward I think is decent to use. You just have to wait for somebody to like accidentally stand on one or use Fainway or you could distraction something onto it. Um, encroaching shadow, especially if you're playing uh, you know, a diagonal board or if you're playing a hallway board because there are more... Uh, just mathematically, there's more edge hexes in that case. Yeah, and a lot of times you do want to run di a diagonal board when you're playing against like an aggro warband. You can play that one one of the new boards that has yeah, and just uh, shoot yeah. and then just shoot at the bottleneck. Yeah, and yeah. try to push them into a, uh, an edge hex. I definitely think um, encroaching shadow is is probably better for them, but lethal ward if you're planning on playing a bunch of you know objective. If objectives are very popular in your meta, you that you'd much rather have lethal ward. Yep. All right. Uh, we like fueled by fury or haymaker. Yep. Those are increasing your extra dice. Uh, yeah. Well, they're increasing your accuracy. Yes. Which is very important for a lot of their objectives and actually killing guys. Yep. You need to right. make your because you you're not able to one shot people without the use of cards. You have to make sure that stuff. You have lands. to make sure you're yeah. landing and you have to be hitting and doing damage with all of your activations. So having Fueled by Fury gives you a reroll on all your dice when you attack. And then Haymaker gives you two extra dice in return for you not being able to defend. So usually you play this on some of the last activations of the of the round. Yeah. Right, and we also have here, we have Stand and Shoot, which is the one where if somebody charges you, you get to shoot them before they do it. Right. And that's this card's just action specific. economy. Yeah, this card's very specific in how it can be used, so you have to be careful. Like, if, if somebody like Scritch or, or Gallinghand charges you... Right, yeah, yeah it has to be ranged it doesn't one. actually work. Yeah, yeah, so it has to... The, the fighter that you shoot has to be adjacent to you when you use this. But, it, you know, it's it's kind of like their version of, uh, you know, my turn or, or ready for action in that you get an extra shot but during it's, your But turn. it's before the attack. So yeah. if they're down to one, you could conceivably use that right. and kill them before they're able to finish the charge. And I think the charge would still go through because you do the move and then the attack. So some, yeah. yeah. If they don't die, then and, and then also if, stand no, and shoot. If they do die, I think that they're, that activation's over. That's what I'm saying, yeah. yeah. So, But, the, but the, the stand and shoot specifically says that you cannot push them back when you do this attack. So they still get to hit you if they survive. Right. Yeah. You, you just get to slip a damage in there ahead of time. Unless, of course, and we'll talk about it later, Duelist Speed, the new the new quick thinker yep. combo. All right. Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, what do you think about uh, Commanding Stride in this so, deck? Uh, yeah. So originally what I wanted to do was kind of clown around and play things like Commanding Stride or um, Center of Attention, Center of attention to like push people into Thundrix Gas Cloud reaction. Mm -hmm. But it ended up, I, I'd say, with the with the testing I did, that strategy ended up being more more cute than good, is the way I would describe it. <laughs> okay. It was funny to do that, but then, you know, you're giving up position with him. Right. And, you know, you're only doing one damage, so, like, I don't know. It's, it's kind of funny, but not necessarily good. And you can't put him in a, you can't compromise his positioning or else he dies. Yeah, you don't want anything and, to happen. Yeah, because if he's dead, then you can't inspire anything. Yep. All right. Um, you ready to go? To it, the is, it is pretty funny to do that, and yeah, well, it, yeah. could, it could mess up your opponent's position. You know, center of attention is great when your opponent's playing objectives. Um, 
Yeah. And commanding stride is just good for him because it will allow him to get in range to shoot. Without having to move. without having yeah. to like do a move action. Yeah, or you could just, you know, if you really need him to charge or whatever, you can put him on the, the starting hex and then have him be in better position. All right. Or you could run away with it. If somebody uh, like, you know, powers up, puts upgrades out and they're getting ready to charge you, you can just commanding stride away. Sure. All right, so let's get to the upgrades. Oh, mm-hmm. we got it in. Okay. All right. So uh Glory Seeker, of course, because you need to add damage without well, this having is one the of range the few, restriction. Yeah, this is one of the few ones that doesn't have a range restriction. However, it does, you know, it is it is does have the restriction of it being you're you're attacking someone with a specific amount of health. But a lot too. And yeah, and, it's and definitely an auto put stuff on it. Yeah. Yeah. Fighter's ferocity. Yeah, I like this one because it's another again, it's one of the only ways to increase the damage on your range attacks. And you're already like kind of fishing for crits anyway with your headshot objective and your your extra dice. Maker yeah. and your and fueled by fury and your four dice on iron hail. Yeah. Yep. So cool. I think this one's this one's pretty good. I definitely would put this on iron hail or lund or something like that. Sure. Uh we have archer's focus which gives us a reroll on a shot. Yep, definitely auto include. Always good. Tome of Vitality if you need an extra wound. Ancestral Fortitude if you need an extra wound. Great Fortitude if you need an extra wound. Uh, Rapid Reload we talked about before. Potion of Rage, of course. If you're gonna, if you want some some uh, accuracy right now, you you pop a potion. Yep, I love Potion um, of Rage. We said Empowered Aether Shot, and you said Tome of Offerings not that good. Yeah, I mean, because it's. I think that's better. The Tome of Offerings is great on a guy who on a, on warbands that can one shot people and then get a bunch of extra actions with that one guy. Yeah, it's pretty and, great on like curse breakers. It's pretty great on. It's awesome on Molog. Right. Yeah, it's good on Magor. Yep. But in this one, you're a lot of your guys are like kind of working together, and you need like three or four guys to activate to actually kill someone. And you never really know which one's going to have the, 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 the kill shot. Yeah. So it, mm-hmm. it, 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 it is a extremely strong card and probably worth running, but in this warband specifically, it's not as good as say Malag or Magor or. Right. Um, okay. Breaker. And now let's definitely talk about this dualist speed. Right. So there, there's actually two, two new cards that are kind of similar. There's dualist speed and blessing of Hydragos. And both of those are upgrades that you put on a guy, and then as a reaction, after you do your attack, you can push them a, a number of spaces. Right. And uh, it's actually pretty specific. So, um, blessing of Hydragos says whenever an opponent or whenever you uh, one of your fighters makes a successful attack action, then you can push them up to two hexes. And Duelist Speed says after this fighter's attack action, whether or not it landed, you can push them up to one hex. Right. So the Blessing of Hydragos is better since you get the two, but you have to hit your attack. And then Duelist Speed is just whenever you attack. So I think I'm, I'm leaning more towards Duelist Speed. I think it's a little bit... It, it depends on who's who's coming at you. Right. Because if it's Molog, you don't... Duelist Speed's not going to help you. If it's... Well, um, if, if, any... he, if, each, if Molog charges you from two away... Uh, oh, yeah, you're right. If, yeah. It, yeah, you're right. And we're talking but, about this in combination with, well, with, actually, you couldn't do that. With, yeah, I've, I've, with, yeah, but you couldn't do it with Stand and Shoe because if he charges you from two away, then oh, you, you wouldn't be able, be able to throw yeah. Stand and Shoe. That's right. Yeah. So, okay. yeah, never mind. But yeah, it, it, yeah, against people with um, 
range two on their melee attacks, this, this card's not not good. Right. But it, I think it's it's worth playing because being able to it, it helps one. with your positioning. And the duel of speed I like more just because you don't have to hit. And put could set you up for a nice uh turn after. Yeah, but it, and it ends up being kind of like a pseudo quick thinker because you can yeah, when have you somebody charge into shoot, you, yeah. you play stand and shoot, and then Duelist Speed or Blessing of Hydragos moves you out of range. Right, but the problem with that, again, is anybody that doesn't end up adjacent to you when they attack, it doesn't work on them. So yes. like anybody with a range attack or anybody with a two-range melee attack, it, it, that, that combo doesn't work. Right, and this is much more balanced than what Quink Thinker was, where you could just get out of the way. You had one get out of charge free card in your deck, yeah. And here you have to you have to kind of jury rig it. I, I I wonder how effective this is. Um, I don't think that when we played our games, you this combination came up. Right, it didn't. But the yeah. speed definitely came up, and it was pretty good. Just being able to push myself one after attacking. Yeah, I mean, it, it's nice because then it might set up a, a later attack, which is also pretty valuable. Mm -hmm. And and by the way, if you got if you got Blessing of Hydragos and you're playing Molog, throw it in there. Yeah, it's good I mean, you can, just, you can just bop around the board. Yikes. Anyway, um, so there you go. That That's what we feel on that. Um, so let's talk about boards. Uh, what boards were you playing when you were playing this Warband? Well, against... Uh like aggressive type warbands. I definitely like the, <laughs> I guess we're calling it, we're calling it this. Calling I think it it's a good Bermuda name for it. Triangle. They... Yeah. Because I don't think we have a, a real name for this board. I don't yet. think there is one. Yeah. And it's, it's the it's one, the new one. The, yeah. The new one with three lethal hexes all right next to each other. And what do we call it? Called the Bermuda triangle. <laughs> we're going to call it the Bermuda triangle. Yeah. That's pretty good. And what you want to do with that is if, if you win the board roll off against an aggro warband, you put, that one set up diagonally where there's only three hexes in the middle and they're right up next to the lethal hexes. Right. Cause then and hopefully can... force your opponent to come through there and then shoot them into the lethal hex. Right. Where they either have to run through it or they stand next to it and you shoot them into it. Yeah. Right. Um, and then what happens if you're, you said that if you're playing against objective based, do you like the ruptured seal? Yeah. That one will allow you to put a, a lot of your guys up forward close to the midline. Oh, I see. Yeah, because okay. you, you, you are so slow, and if they are trying to, you know, just kind of hang back and sit on the objectives, you you need to be up there. Sure. Um, and just so these uh, guys kind of struggle against that. I don't, in my opinion, I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. But when when your opponent is not, they're, they're definitely, I'd say, a little bit more advantage when your opponent is just running at you, trying to kill you, rather than in the uh, the objectives game. All right. Um, and, and I'm going to recommend if you're going against this warband, um, I, I was playing uh, Guardians and I really liked when I won the roll off. I really like that new one that's on the op opposite side of the Bermuda Triangle, the one that's the, the triple hexes in the middle. Yeah. Um, and then what I would do is I'd put those two blocked hexes towards you and it, it cut down a lot of your, uh, you know, your line yeah, that of sight. Was extremely annoying. Yeah. Really annoying. Because and then you also have that one lethal hex in the back. If you have calculated risk, you can run through that. Exactly. Um, and I was playing Guardians. So I would like run through it, land on an objective, and then just, uh, what is it? Leech power that thing out of there. Yeah. A lot of times, blocked hexes are, represent a huge problem for this warband because of their low speed. They can't really get around to, 
get a good shot on you. Yeah, it's just more stuff for you to have yeah, to deal so with. Yeah, so either taking that one or the <clears throat> the one with the three block texas. Yeah, the, 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 the pyramid. What's that, the arcane nexus or something? No, what's that one called? The soul refractor. Soul refractor? It's yeah. one of those, yeah. It's the yeah. one that has the three uh, the three block taxes hmm. in a triangle pattern. Okay. And I guess, um, and, and losing the warband, I haven't really figured out when, or, I mean, sorry, losing the, the roll-off for board placement, I haven't really figured out what the best one for that is. I'm kind of leaning towards the, the, the lightning one, the blue one with the three lethal hexes towards the middle. What, for any particular reason? Because, you know, if somebody, if you lose the board roll-off and somebody's running at you, Oh, then you just have options. Yeah. Yeah, I see it. Um, and, and then, of course, you could put some objectives next to those things so that if somebody feign weighs in, they'll be right standing right next to it. Yep. I gotcha. All right. So so that's the uh, that's the war band. Anything else you want to add before we move on? No, I just think they're really fun to play and they appear to be pretty strong. They had a good showing um, in the past yes. two weeks. So. Yeah, they, they came in second. Good old Amon coming yep. back doing really well again mm-hmm. i'm sure he'll talk about it on his next episode mm-hmm. um and we also have john rees also coming in uh very strong came in 12th at the same grand clash we'll talk about that grand clash i think later on um because there's a lot of the the, the winning decks not up yet there's a lot of decks that aren't up yet but what we did want to talk about was a grand clash that happened in st petersburg russia which uh big, is uh, up big scene out there apparently apparently um so we're going to talk about we were going to just go to the top three but then we saw the fourth one and it was fire slayers and we're like what yeah let's just jump right into that and hold on but, but hold on i want to preface this for a second i want everybody to know so i played a cam game with the davy calkins from uh what the hex podcast and uh and so i so I, you know we i click the thing and i'm like all right so what are you what are you playing tonight and he's like i'm playing um I'm like, what? He's like, I'm playing dwarves. I'm like, oh, yeah, the new dwarves. He's like, no, no, the old dwarves. I'm like, you stole the Russia deck, didn't you? And he said, yes. And then we played with them. I was playing Guardians the entire time. And he again wiped the freaking floor with me three games in a row with these dwarves. So don't sleep on these dwarves. Let's talk about what they got going on. I, I can see when and by the way, you and I, this was. I played that game after we looked at this together, Randall, you and I, mm-hmm. and we both looked at this. And the first thing we said was like, that's a pretty good dwarves deck. Definitely a really good deck. Yeah. Yeah. That's good for dwarves right there. So if anybody loves to play dwarves, take a look at this. It's Interesting thing cards. about this deck is it only has four restricted cards too. Yes. All right. So let's take a look. We have ferocious charge, which uh, is kill something with a charge mm-hmm. sign of Grimnir. Uh, which is if your leader kills something, which by the way, if feels on the board, he's gonna swing he's killing guys. And kill something. We got escalation, of course. We got no remorse, uh, because you're gonna end up rolling they have four high, dice. very high damage shot. Very high damage guys, output. Yeah. Uh, precise use of force because they actually do have a lot yeah, of different bros only hit things for they one. can do. Yeah. Right. Superior tactician, because why not? Victory after victory, because you will be scoring things. This is actually decent. Shining example, because fuel gets five when he's inspired. Um, and he'll be on the board. Yeah, you're, combination you're, strike. You're looking to inspire him in the first activation, yep. almost always. Combination strike, strong start. Um, what armor? Because there's cleave at least on one guy, and I think that Fuel picks it up when he's uh, inspired or something. Yeah, he does. Uh, 
Yeah. And then uh, and there, then there's actually one, only one guy with cleave. It's and it's fuel when he's inspired. Yeah. But you're going to be doing crazy stuff yeah. with him anyway. And then this one, which I forgot was in the deck and I definitely did not guard against supremacy. Yeah, that's a weird one. Well, it makes sense because in the first round or even later, maybe you would want yeah, to but if you, in if on you, things. Yeah. But there's also I mean, because that's how they inspire. But there's also a couple of things hanging out in the gambits. That would put you there. Um, yep. Let's talk about that. We have um, Indomitable, which screwed me royally in, in that game. Yeah, one this of, is similar the, at least to one, one that uh, Magor has too. Right? Yeah, it's it's the same as um, it's the same as a uh, demonic resilience. Yeah. This is uh, the first time a friendly fighter suffers damage in the next activation. They only suffer one damage. Yeah. So I was sitting there getting ready. Oh, I'm gonna kill that I'm dwarf. Unleash this huge. I got this. No, I got this. One I, throw, I throw haymaker. Oh no! Yeah. Okay. Then he throws Indomitable. I'm like, ah. Okay. So there you go. Um, Oath Sworn, uh, which is just uh, you get to double tap if you miss, which is always good. Piercing Stare screwed me at least two times, and that was uh, choose an enemy fighter. They cannot make an attack action or or charge action in the next activation, which is especially towards the end of a round that can be really really bad. Um, the Earth Shakes, which is, listen to this, choose a fighter and push them one hex. Not a friendly, not, a, not an enemy, a fighter. So this is both sidestep or distraction, depending on what helps. Yeah, I, I didn't realize specific. that one. It's, it's just a push any fighter, yours or theirs. It's good. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, you know what? Could you push, like, like if you're at a tournament... Can you push the fighter on like the next board on the next game on the table? Oh, next sure, game? yeah, yeah. I think you should be able to do that. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't specify. Yeah. Um, the next one is treasure lust, and this is part of the reason why I think supremacy is not that bad because uh, there's a gambit that lets you move up to three hexes, and you have to land uh, holding an objective. Um, so you know you can you can be standing on like two of them because why wouldn't you anyway? You're gonna try yeah. to inspire and then treasure lust it on the end. This is the best the dwarves one. card in the game. This is the best uh, fire really card ever. It's really good. It's it's commanding stride for anybody. Plus, when you're done, you inspire. Like well, well probably yeah, we probably there, but just yeah. pushing three on a warband that all moves two is great. Yep, especially when they care about the objective. So yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Fueled by Fury, um, I think, is coming up right now. I think that that's definitely trending up. Mm -hmm. um, and then we have, uh, which, because you were using it also, and then, of course, it's great with Haymaker, or it's great with uh, Potion of Rage. A lot of great stuff here. Uh, Hidden Paths, because why not? Uh, Inspiration Strikes is in here, and I think that that's a good idea, because you can't always get all of your dwarves on the objectives, and you want to get Fuel ready to go as asap so i think having inspiration strikes in here is just a yeah, great idea. It, it, starting the game with this like in your hand and then just immediately inspiring fuel grimnir and running in there it takes a lot of pressure off of you to stand on that objective makes it more relevant in the first phase yeah i wonder if this card's going to get uh put on the restricted list because there are certain warbands now where the whole reason why they are killer like monologue is a great example is because of their inspiration yeah. mechanics and just like what like how do they change when they're inspired um and and this just circumvents that yeah if monologue didn't like, exist i'd probably 
say definitely don't put it on the restricted list, but yeah, but I now mean, it's like we have to talk about it. But Mala, anyway. I mean, it, it, I, I guess a lot of us were all kind of chicken littling about Malog, but he hasn't really won like too many tournaments or great. He hasn't clashes. won any grand clashes, yeah. I don't think. I think he's 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 placed very high. Yeah. Um, you definitely you always see him in like the top five, but you never really see him winning because he also is kind of like a one note warband. Yeah. You know, like once he's gone, what are you going to do? Kill a bunch of chain rasp with a bat squig i mean it's yeah. not gonna happen um anyway uh, or you kill or you you pay for your opponent and then you have nothing left to score and you get nine glory and get knocked oh right yeah that happened yeah thanks yeah thanks for reminding me yep uh, I mean, okay. That is a real concern about it, no i know it happened yeah. to me i mean yeah. um okay so uh ready for action of course haymaker is great and it also has like mad magrim or whatever on the cards well, so it's good for them because they have so much health yeah. Yeah. Oh, you know what I'm realizing about the gambits is that almost all of them have a dwarf on it. Yeah, dwarf tribal. Yeah, sure. All right. And then for their uh for their upgrades, activated runes, not ruins, runes gives them uh a reroll every time they attack. Uh yeah, it's like a not restricted uh awakened weapon. Yeah, concealed weapon, I don't know if I would do because these guys don't have a ton of dice to start with. But you know, it's it's not bad. I just think there's other stuff that's better. Um, He's not running any extra damage ploys. Uh, extra damage ploys? No, no, yeah, no so trap. None of that. Maybe concealed. Maybe weapon. that's why. Yeah. Uh, formless key. Hold an objective in the third end phase. Score a glory. Something you're going to do. Plus, it's not restricted. Um, Heroes mantle because you're going to try to keep fuel up. Fainway puts you on one, and of course, you can bamf around the board, which is nice. Glory Seeker, uh, always good. Uh, great Fortitude, always good. Great Strength, always good. Potion of Rage, always good. And Tome of Offerings, always good, especially if you can one-shot things. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a very strong deck. Yeah, and this is a deck where Tome of Offerings is very strong because you're going to have Fuel Grimnir, one-shotting guys, and activating and put, multiple times. It's, and there's stuff where, here to push yeah. them around the board. You know, um, yeah, that's what I'm saying, as opposed to the the Thundrix Profiteers, where they have to attack with multiple different guys to be able to kill someone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot better on a yeah. Tome of Offering is definitely better on a on a warband where you have a guy that can one shot things and 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 get multiple attacks. I totally agree. All right. Um, let's see. As far as the other tournament decks go, I mean. I don't know. Let's see. We uh, so uh, third place was uh, was Malog. Um, let's see. What do we have here? We have Advancing Strike, Chosen Champion. I didn't use Chosen Champion, but I would have scored that. I just think that there's better stuff. Um, so that was kind of a bubble card for me. I think I had it at first and then cut it. Um, Massive Assault because you should. Master of War because you should. No Remorse I think is also really good. Uh, Demolished. I, I I played with Demolished for a while and then I took it out because i didn't uh sometimes if the cards didn't come up well i wouldn't yeah. get that i think i put victory after victory in demolished is good against their bad matchups though yeah like because against like magor and curse breakers they are going to have five health yeah, yeah. so you're gonna yeah uh we got and then in the matchups where it's not good you will kill a whole bunch of guys you know matchups against like you know thorns of the Briar queen and goblins you're going to be getting a bunch of extra glory that you normally wouldn't because you're going to be killing a whole bunch of guys Mm. So not having demolished, I think it's fine. I think this is a fine card, but you're 
you're more you played more Malag than me. Yeah, it it ended up being a bubble card for me. Okay. Um, I, I, I didn't, I, I found myself in situations a lot where, you know, also I was getting cruel taunted a lot, so I'm not getting up to five very easily. Um, especially in the metal, like, like you and Rob were like throwing, you're throwing cruel taunt, maddening cackle was like a big deal. So for me, I had a problem with that. Um, combination strike. I like long strider, of course, uh, opening gamut, strong start. Here are the two that I didn't like. Um, I actually didn't like that this person put annihilation in um here's so it's okay so here there, there are two things about annihilation one where it's a good idea one where it's a bad idea i don't think it's a good idea because it is a win more card if you have if malo can very easily kill everything and then you get you know annihilation that's great okay you already won anyway right so now however if you're going to a tournament where glory differential is a thing. Maybe you play annihilation because getting five extra glory and absolutely toasting somebody is going to make you on the upper end of your win loss record like group. So I can see why maybe in a large tournament you play annihilation if they're using glory differential as a, as a tiebreaker. Right. As it stands currently, if, if you're having a, a tur- like a grand clash where they're using the current um, rules for making the cut to the top two or whatever after after four rounds or something like that, annihilation could really help push you up on the glory difference and get you into that second place. But here's just like another reason why they should change the formatting because now you're going to have situations where people are going to bring annihilation. And it's such a dumb card (laughs) because you're like, you won, like, just leave it alone. But now people have to crush their opponents and, and it brings this. And I think it's just like, feel bad that you have to like go walk over to the TO and go like, Oh, I won 27 to two. It's like, why do you feel? Well, I mean, here's the thing, right? If you're planning on bringing Malog to a grand clash, you're the way that you're going to win the grand clash or get to that second place spot. It's by, annihilating is by, is by annihilating bad players in the first two rounds. Yeah. And this will really help you. You know, and, and, you know, like we said before, if you annihilate people too early, it can make your glory difference. Even though you went 2-0, and you know, it can make your glory difference really bad and push you out of the top spot. So yeah. I think this is fine for a Grand Clash type event. Well, it's fine as it stands. Right. Um, all right, so let's just go to Gambit. Oh, you know what I've noticed about this objectives? Only one of them is restricted, just advancing strike. Well, he's I had, I had but he does three. have five restricted. Yeah, well, let's continue. Um, so uh, Hidden Paths, Inspiration Strikes, Misdirection, of course. My turn, I think, is great. I, I, I prefer Aggressive Defense just because it doesn't take a restricted slot. Ready for Action, Spectral Wings is fine. Regal Vision, of course. Um, let's see. I don't know about these other ones, though. Brutal Savagery, give him an extra dice. I mean, he needs that, but it's like a one-time thing. I, I would rather have Potion of Rage. Um, predatory growls, which is choose an enemy fighter and push them one hex. Uh, to that, no, that's fine. That's just distraction. That's actually yeah, good. Yeah. It's, it's just distraction. That's yeah. actually fine. Uh, wind up is plus one damage. Um, I guess that's good if you're trying to score demolished or no remorse or whatever, but it's only a one-time thing. And also you're telegraphing, although you're bringing Molog, so you're already telegraphing, but you're really telegraphing that you have something where you need to land that attack. 
Um, for upgrades, he's got blooming spores. I assume it's a he. It could. It might not be. Um, blooming spores, uh, which is plus one damage. Great strength, which is plus one damage. We also have foul temper and awakened weapon, which is interesting that that they would have both. I think that's fine. I think that's actually not that bad. I, like I didn't think about that. I was just playing foul temper because it wasn't restricted, but having them both is not a bad idea because one of the worst things to happen to you if you're playing Malog is for your dice to go that, cold. That's how he loses Malog. Yep. That's the um, only, have, that, that's kind of the only way he loses is you know, yeah. by missing attacks. Yeah. We have light armor, which I never used, but I can see why you would use this. It increases um, accuracy. Yeah. You got to sit and you have a seven wound fighter. So mm -hmm. whatever um, they're using vamp vampiric weapon, which I tried and found was not particularly helpful um, because you'd end up getting one or two back. And if anybody tried to attack at Malog, they're going to, you know, everybody's attacking Malog. So they'll get those two back with one attack. Um, I found it to be not as great as people thought it was um did we talk about yeah we talked about that one deathly fortitude understandable i would i would i would think there would be more push tech if you're going to play this um so i don't see commanding stride anywhere which yeah, I'd i like use. to see instead of wind up and brutal savagery i'd like to see more um yeah movement yeah. movement instead um and then but of course that, tome, i think the deck is fine yeah tome of offerings tome of vitality there's, like there's a few things that I, I i disagree with but i mean it did really well so obviously it's good um let's talk about uh let's see what was the next uh, one second place was Dilthari guardians Dilthari's guardians do you want do you want to save this one for next week because i'm going to talk about something similar to this although there's a lot of different things in here faded blade yeah we, the, we should probably talk about this next week we'll uh, talk about this when next we have week. the context yeah, yeah. And then, of course, the winner was uh, good old Magor. Yeah. Taking one down. All right. Showing oh. that the season one warbands are still good. Some of them are good. Um, I, I have decided to retire Magor. I will never play them again um, unless I'm they gonna become. I'm going to play them. You should do it unless I'm, it becomes I'm, so OP. This is the next. Yep. I know, because that's what's going to happen is you're going to end up starting to kill me every time. And then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to taste my own medicine. Well, I don't know. I just I like them, and I think they're still relevant. I think they're and, still good. Yeah, sure. I think they let's, put a check on the game. That's very yeah. important. Let's um, see what the winner had. Yeah. Um, we have corn sees us, which is uh, score immediately if you take. If yeah, this one we didn't like. Two or more much. enemy fighters. Yeah, I don't like this one. This because, is not one I've seen in a lot of uh, Magor's. Well, decks. I just I don't know if I. I mean, I like it. It's but it's very matchup dependent. Yep. Like I can understand, like if you're playing chain rafts, if you're playing against chain rafts, you're playing against um, any of those low model, uh, sorry, high model uh, count war bands. Mm -hmm. I can see this, um, but I mean, you might run into Magor, mm -hmm. uh, sorry, in, into another Magor. You might run into uh, a Malog. You might run into Curse Breakers. You, sorry, you will yeah. run into those. There's probably something better you could. You could Makes it harder. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's nice that it's immediately, but you have to kill two things. So it's also dice dependent. Just a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, no escape. Kill something with three or more charges. You're going we to like if you're playing Magor. I used to play that all the time. Rivers of Blood after the Woo Bar. I started playing this. Yeah, after the Woo Bar and with uh, Shard Gale. It's great. Throw Shard Gale in, which he has. Um, show of Strength, of course. Yep. Ma uh, Magor will kill things. Alone in the Darkness, I do like. Mm-hmm. In this deck, I know we, we've talked about this before. I've already explained why I like that one. 
Um, Escalation, Ploy Master, because you're only playing ploys with this group. Shining Example, because you're tr really trying to get Magor inspired. Uh, Conquest is not bad in this deck, and I did play it for a time because you are definitely going to be going in, but I started playing them towards the end of my run a little bit more rope-a-dope. Um, so I would sometimes fight in my own end. And when I did that, especially depending on what the matchup was, like if they were the aggressor, I would I would play back and let them, you know, thin their uh thin out their ranks a little bit so that I can, you know, jump on that one that came in. Um, and then conquest becomes not as great. Um, so it really depends on on the style. So if you're gonna play all out aggressive, get in there every time, then conquest, absolutely. Uh, fired up is good because you want to get somebody. They all inspire when they. Well, yeah, and they have two fi fired up and shining example. Just example say, they they sense. have two pl uh, ploys that can inspire their own guys. Right, so, so I you're think gonna that these those. are very strong in this deck. Absolutely, uh, strong start because you're gonna kill stuff. And what armor? Because one and a half of your guys have cleave. Yep. Yeah, because the dog has it on, he a, has on a crit. He gets a crit. Yeah. Yep. Gambit. Magor is your main fighter that you're going to be spending a lot of your actions on he's going to get at least so, one yeah. shot through yeah all right uh gambits we have furious inspiration we have the other one yeah right yeah he's got both. inspiration strikes no he doesn't oh, no he doesn't okay all right well, that's weird yeah weird. all right that's not um distraction frozen in time because Molog is around and also transfixing stare because Molog is around mm -hmm. uh hidden paths my turn ready for action reflected injury Choose a friendly fighter with at least one wound token and an adjacent enemy fighter. They suffer. All right. Well, yeah, okay. So you shard gale. shard gale. Yeah. You shard gale and then you use that right away. So you, oh, you, yeah, you can combo that down. Oh yeah, definitely. Encroaching shadow. Just, you could just have a wound on your guy incidentally already and then charge in and it hit and then say, I'm not going to drive you back and then All just right. kill him. I think this All is right, fine. It's, it's a not restricted uh, extra damage card. Sure. All right, and then the upgrades. We got uh, Brutal Charge, which I did not use, but I think that if that pre Wubar and even post Brutal Charge, you, it, oh, you put it on anything but Rip Tooth, they get an extra dice that's when great. they make a charge. Yeah, I, well, no, I think I, that I, before the Wubar, you could put, you know, um, I, I mean, helpful I, whispers or, yeah. Please, there was other stuff that was better, but but at post Wubar, I think that that's a, a better card now. Uh, rage field attacks for some Why? reason i don't know people love zarkus i don't get it like i've seen this a few times please somebody maybe it's and look they don't have get the hence or anything like that somebody please go on our facebook page which by the way we haven't not been plugging lately go to the facebook page like us we're almost up to 100 it'd be cool if we got to 100 anyway side note um and tell us why rage field attacks i don't know why zarkus is this this good because we determined the other day that zarkus is the worst of the four of them. Right. He is right. the he, dangle bro. Yeah. Cause he doesn't have cleave like Magor has. Right. And he, he doesn't have the, uh, fighter cannot be driven back like Gartok has. Right. And he doesn't have the speed and damage of Riptooth. Right. So he's a dangle bro. Yeah. The only thing he has is the knockback, which you usually don't really want to do with this warband. I mean, it, the only thing it does is help you, um, strength. But the only thing, only the, only thing the knockback helps you with is Alone in the Darkness in this warband. Ish. All right. Uh, Shade Glass Darts, which I don't think are as good as Dark Darts. Yeah, we like Dark Darts because Dark Darts That's has cleave. and It helps you get what armor, and it helps you get inspired before you charge it in the next round. Exactly. Uh, 
Uh, Fainway, of course. Glory Seeker, of course. Jade Great... Starts does more damage, though, if you get a crit. So that's the only. That's out. true. If you get yeah. a crit. Um, anyway. Yeah. And I guess. And he does have. Sorry. This this player uh, does have. Um, does have other stuff like, you know, to give. No, actually does not. What? Wait, you know, they have Potion of Rage. I'm looking for thing to increase accuracy or just add dice so that that crit definitely shows up. For Shade Glass Dart. Right, Brutal. Oh, maybe you do that. Maybe that's why. Maybe the Shade Glass Darts go on Zarkus. I th- I'd like Dark Darts better anyway. Yeah, me too. Um, great Strength, Potion of Rage, po- Tome of Offerings, Tome of Vitality, of course. So, yeah, I mean... He didn't have... Um... The one where Magor kills a guy and gets another. Oh yeah, right what's here. going on with the uh, with the uh, what is it called? Uh, oh man, trophy what is it hunter. called? Trophy hunter. That's it. Yeah, I would like to see trophy hunter instead of. Uh, Can you imagine getting attacks? Right. Can you imagine get, like having them both on Magor and then he kills something and it's like getting a supremacy every time you kill something? Yeah, it's crazy. Then yeah, you do so like the- my turn and and ready for action. You can get like you can do a nine glory swing in one round. Yeah, I'd like to see maybe take out a maybe reflected injury or something else for the other inspire the inspiration strikes and then take out rage field attacks for trophy hunter and then shade glass darts for dark darts. I love our absolute audacity that we are trying to give a the number one deck. yeah grand clash winning deck pointers. Yeah. <laughs> all right anyway i mean feel, feel free to disagree with us and i mean i i and, look uh, i only made on final table with this group i mean i didn't win so yeah yeah did. all right well whatever and it was pre war but woobar anyway yeah when all it right was easy mode yeah when it was totally easy yeah. mode are you kidding yeah so easy um anyway so that's that that's what we got uh we have one more uh one more segment we have our keys to salvation and this week we're going to talk about uh, getting new players involved in the game. And and uh, one idea that we had, if you're getting new players involved in the game, is build for yourself a, a deck that you play against new players. Uh, a teaching the game deck, if you will. Or build two decks. Or build two decks so that they would have one and you would have one. Or you can even have two decks for the same warband. One that is your let's go and play a real game or let's play a hey, you should learn this game. Um, and so I made one with the Godsworn. I, I decided to use Godsworn because I don't think I can make a really effective tournament deck with them. But I like them as a faction. So they will become my faction that I will carry around with me and pull out if I'm playing somebody who's new so that we can have a more balanced uh, game. Um, yeah. yeah. So a uh, couple of pointers if you're planning on doing this. Uh, we came up with uh, one is that um, try not to put proxies in because when you put proxies in, unless it's like a, a printed version of the card, because that's not what most people do. I think, you know, I just write out the name and 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 the uh, the card text without the flavor text, obviously. Right. The, the point and here is the point confusing. here is um, like a lot of times you're going to have like a card like Escalation. You only have one copy of Escalation. So when you are playing with friends, you may have like a proxy for Escalation in one of your other decks. So what we're saying here is when you're playing with new people trying to teach them the game, make sure you use the authentic cards. And yeah, because if time, you use yeah. a proxy, it's going to be confusing. What is this little slip of paper in here doing? Yeah, and a lot of times those cards that you're using in like every deck and you made proxies for are might be like too good or... Right. You know, so... Escalation being one of them. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, we also suggest not having anything uh, with a lot of complicated wording. So I wouldn't throw baffling illusion in there. Um, I wouldn't throw anything yeah, where aggressive it, defense or aggressive something. defense, like a paragraph or, of text on it. Yeah. Mirror move. I mean, oh, yeah, anything that that's confusing. Yeah, <laughs> um, but we do charge or something. Right. We do suggest, however, sprinkling in a little bit of everything. So have something, have like one card that involves a scatter token so they can see how that works. Yep. Have one reaction so they can get the timing windows uh, down. Um, have a little bit of push tech. So maybe sidestep. Um, and maybe then a gambit spell or two. Uh, a gambit spell or two if you if if it's, you know, if it makes sense. Um, obviously you wouldn't put one of those in a Magor deck. Um, and the other thing is I would have at least one card where it's one of those coin flip cards like uh, Daylight Robbery or Rebound or something like that. Not Rebound. No, sorry, not Rebound because yeah, everybody hates any, Rebound. But, yeah, but it never goes of off anyway. That, yeah, some kind of card that uh, introduces them to the, you know, roll a hammer. Sure, maybe just Frozen in Time Yeah, or Last Chance would be a good one. No, nah, that's also a crappy one. That's uh, Nobody what? likes yeah, that. Yeah, no, not Frozen Which one in Time. I think Daylight Robbery is a good one. No, um, it's not. That's a feel bad. You, you, you want to use like, something like Last Chance or... Um, Forceful Denial? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I, I, Frozen in Time and Daylight Robbery feel really bad to play against. Yeah, I just, well, I mean, I don't know, but they should see, the, the point is to show them all the possible mechanics. Right, right, right. That you can. Um, and definitely a lot of the easy upgrades, the plus one speeds, the plus one damage, the plus one dice, mm. um, that kind of stuff. I wouldn't use Fainway. It's just too weird. Um, you know, de definitely, um, throw in a couple of those, you know, upgrades that, uh, that give like, you know, you know, like whatever shade glass axe. Now that one's a little bit complicated, but like dark darts is good. Or null stone. Yeah. Null stone stuff. Yeah, absolutely. But have something there because the, the worst thing that you can do, and I, I I'm guilty of this myself is that you go and there's a new player there and they just want to learn the game. And then all you brought with you are like your finely tuned Molog deck and it's like they're dead in five seconds and it's no fun. Or you give them one of your tournament decks and, and they don't they know what to do what with to it. Do with right. It, yeah. Exactly. So I think that for for just to get more players involved in the game and kind of get in a feel for the the positive elements of the game um, without the super crazy competition uh, is to try to make just make sure you have one of these decks or maybe two carried around with you um, and, you know, uh, I, again, I, I I always wanted to play Godsworn, but I just don't think they're that competitive, and this just gave me a reason to do that. Yeah, and I love my my orcs, my uh, Iron Jaws, right? But you know they are not super competitive. Yeah, not anymore. super competitive. And the other the great thing about them is they are you know just a very simplistic to understand faction. So playing them against a new player, it's not going to be that complicated for them to understand. Be like, you know, stay out of melee range. Don't get hit by Gerzag. You know, that's really all, you know, it's not like, oh, you need to be specifically this many spaces away because I can shoot you with my range attack and then I have my spell. And, you know, so it's the orcs are very straightforward. Yep. Magors are a good one, too, I think. Uh, they're a little strong. They're a little strong, but they but they're but they're um, they're not complicated. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe you can throw in a far striders deck. They have a little bit of rangy stuff, but yeah, I'd say the the, the best factions to do either. with this are probably Godsworn Hunt. Um, well, 
yeah, maybe Farstrider and maybe Orcs, but yeah, Stormcast kind of feel bad to play against because you know if you're a new player trying to crack through them is difficult. Oh no, uh, well you Reavers would give that are good. To your opponent. Oh you yeah, give Reavers them are good. Okay, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, Reavers are good. Yeah, and Cursebreaker is probably fine. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and, and they're actually good. So if they, I mean, that's what we did with Bobby. You know, he started playing Curse Breakers. Then he's like, right. "Oh, I like this." And factions you want to avoid, I'd say probably Zinch, uh, Goblins, Malog, Malog, definitely. Nagors, I would say. Don't do the uh, not the not the skeleton. Skaven, no skeletons. Yeah. Yeah. I would avoid those. Absolutely. Unless, and then, and then the exception would be if you have somebody who's into Age of Sigmar or into Fantasy Battle, and they really want to play. With a specific faction that might be harder to play, yeah, then maybe let them do that. Sure. Like if they're a Skaven player in Age of Sigmar, and they're like, I don't know about this uh, Underworlds game, and you're like, Well, why don't you just try it, and you get to play Skaven? That might bring them into the, might make them more excited about trying it out. All right. Sounds like a good idea, I think, and that's why we said so. All right, so we good, Randall? Yep. All right, before we go, because we haven't done this in a few weeks, we just want to remind everybody to, uh, you know, click subscribe if you're on iTunes and uh, if you're on Podbean to hit follow, um, to go on the Facebook page and click like. We're getting close to 100 likes, people. Come on, let's do it. I know you like us. You're listening. I know you're listening. Hmm. Like us. Like us, too. Um, so, uh, yeah, and, and that's it. All right, and let's get out of here. All right. We'll see you later. Uh, so this is Max Bernstein and Randall and uh, from Battle for Salvation. We're signing off.